You're listening to Macro Sunday, hosted by Andreas Steno. Happy Sunday, everyone, and welcome to the Macro Sunday podcast. My name is Andreas Steno. I'm the founder and CEO of Steno Research. And this week, we admittedly have to look a bit into why we've been wrong-footed. And no one's better at explaining why we're doing things wrong than you, Emile Müller. (laughs) Thanks for the introduction. Very kind. Uh, Our head of research, uh, always good to have someone to blame if it goes wrong, right? Uh, I'm just kidding, obviously. Um, But I guess this week, um, in this independent macro show with actionable ideas, it's a good idea to play the disclaimer. (laughs) So, um, given... Last week's performance in markets, yeah. it may be worthwhile listening to Gennaro Gattuso. <laughs> sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Obviously referring to the portfolio yeah. here. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it could have been worse. We, I remember exactly a week ago, Emil, you and I... Um, yeah had the champagne corks flying in in the studio (laughs) because we had a 100% hit ratio eight weeks in a row. And obviously, as soon as you start saying shit like that... (laughs) (laughs) You get absolutely clammed. Uh, uh, It it isn't that bad. Obviously, we have professional risk management around this, but um, it hasn't been the best of weeks. No. Um, That's to say. uh, It hasn't been the best of weeks for Kevin McCarthy either. (laughs) Definitely not. Um, He's basically been ousted as the Speaker of the House, um, the official title. And before we get to the discussion on what that means for the US economy and whether we can get curbs to spending as a consequence of this, I'd like to play the soundbite of the week. Uh, And it's it's from a favorite of ours, uh, at least from an entertainment perspective. Uh, Mr. Jesus, in other words, Donald Trump. <laughs> that I refer, obviously yeah. refer to the truth um, story from him here. Um, talking about how Joe Biden is doing. Mm. Oh, dear. Biden has become crooked Joe Biden's top surrogate, I think, because he doesn't think Biden is going to make it. That's why he's doing it. He doesn't think he's going to make it, and it won't be him so easy. He's going to have a big fight. However, because there will be a lot of Democrats uh, competing, it's going to be very interesting. But let's see. Look, some people say Biden's going to make it. Does anybody think he's going to make it to the starting gate? I mean, the guy can't find his way off of a stage. Look, here's a stage. Here's a stage. I've never seen this stupid stage before. I've never seen it. But if I walk left, there's a stair. And if I walk right, there's a stair. And this guy gets up. Where am I? <laughs> I mean, I've even seen. Where the hell am I? Like early rumors of discussions of Trump being the new speaker yeah. of the house. I, I, I don't know whether it's actually practically possible. It probably is, but <laughs> I think it's a bit contagious. But. <laughs> But is he wrong in this clip? Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> no. Not necessarily. No. <laughs> so, uh, you know? <laughs> but yeah. if you'll, um, on a serious note, relation, in relation to US politics, yeah. uh, McCarthy is no more, at least <laughs> in yeah. the role as a speaker. Um, 
we are obviously stuck in some sort of stalemate between the Democrats and the Republicans relating to the future ahead for the public deficit mm. uh, of the U.S. federal government. Yeah. And we're stuck in a situation where the deficit is running wild, yeah. essentially. Absolutely. So what are the prospects from here from a political perspective and how will it impact fiscal policy? Well, that's Easy the, question, yeah. right? <laughs> that's a big question, right? Yeah. Um, First of all, I'm com- I'm still starting to get my head around what McCarthy was thinking here. Mm. I mean, you don't. I mean, what 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 was the end game? Uh, I, I can't really see it, uh, mm. to be honest. Um, and well, <laughs> yeah, now he's gone. Um, but I think what we should take, well, the main takeaway here should be that um, the shutdown is just postponed. Mm. I think that's absolutely crystal clear. That's the only thing I'm really fundamentally convinced about. And if that is true, and we don't see any deal making for the remainder of the year, then back of the napkin calculation, six eight weeks of a of a shutdown mm. equals to around one percent of GDP. Basically, that's not pretty. No, it's not no. pretty. Especially um, not given the yeah. critical momentum that we see globally heading into this. Exactly. Mm. And that's so, um, perhaps that will change the, you know, the negotiations, out, negotiations outlook. Um, and perhaps that will make, you know, the Democrats concede to postpone spending cuts or something that could be, could be, uh, could be on the table. But I think for now, it's just, it's just further fire, to, uh, further, further gasoline <laughs> to uh, the bonfire. Yeah? Oh, don't mention <laughs> it. <gasoline. laughs> like it, my nerves. Yeah. And, oh uh, <laughs> yeah. I I have to admit that should we get a six six to eight week week lockdown yeah. or shutdown? Sorry, uh, yeah. don't remind me of no, lockdowns no. either. <laughs> uh, it's former podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, I mean, given everything that's been ongoing in markets over the past couple of months, mm. the U.S. superiority theme firmly in the driver's seat of everything yeah, strong yeah. dollar mm. um the u.s doing better due to no energy imports on a net net basis and yeah. all of that yeah um could the dollar be challenged here if if we end up in a complete soap opera uh politically in the u.s thing is with rates at these levels mm. i mean you know capital is just storming back into the u.s to 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 attract those u.s dollar yields right mm. you want that safety especially in the in an global cooldown of, of the economy, right? Um, so, no, I just think the others will suffer along. That's basically my takeaway. But yeah. perhaps it would be the start of that gap of US exceptionalism versus the uh, rest of the world starting to narrow. So that's something to, to, to look at. And if my prediction of a recession in Q1 essentially materializes, actually after this week, I'm starting to question whether it will perhaps start start a tad, further, a, a, a tad sooner. Um I mean, that, that or would, maybe it's already yeah, here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, th- that will you know mark the the pivot in the US dollar strength, no doubt, mm. because essentially Powell he will come in and cut the rates down and everything. You know, yeah. That's why I'm sort of on the on the sideline looking at those juicy nominal yields, just yeah. waiting to step in. But um, still, we we, we haven't caught that knife yet, luckily. <laughs> no. So yeah. And in relation to that mm. recession discussion. Mm. Um, obviously, it's the National Bureau of Economic Research um, mm. that ultimately defines whether we are in a recession yeah. or not. Uh, yeah. But I can guarantee a few things in relation to that. Yeah. The first is that 
DNB ER. ER yeah. will not conclude that we're in a recession until no. a long time after we've yeah. actually been in one. They will tell you you're dirty while you're while you're in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the second thing is that only real money players like huge pension funds will yeah. start trading the recession narrative once it's confirmed. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we obviously need to consider whether that recession narrative is back on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, I'd like to get your um, opinion on the current developments in the yield curve. Because yeah. obviously, the yield curve is typically seen as some sort of harbinger for, all, yeah. for like future developments yeah, in, the, yeah. in growth. And um, we still have an inverted curve. Mm-hmm. We're far from a reinversion still, uh, even though we've seen between friends more than 50 basis points of, of steepening between twos and tens yeah and <clears throat> it still seems to me like the, there's a mounting pressure on the long end here despite all of these mm. early yeah warnings of recession uh, mm. shot down and all of that what do you make of the yield curve here so well we timed the entry pretty well yeah. let's start with putting that out you know on the steepener on the yeah. steepener yeah. yeah um and i think we are approaching uh, the top of the ten-year. I think I think that's 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 coming in, even though that the pressure right now seems to be really mm. really strong. Um, I think it will revert soon enough. The question I'm sort of pondering here is: um, usually we see a re-steepening of the yield curve and then a recession, right? Yes. Yeah. It's it uninverts. It you know and yeah. then it goes back into into a, a steep territory and then. You know, pain unfolds. Yeah. Um, and I think we we on that last sort of step before that 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 kicks in, and that makes me question whether it's it's you know whether it it is now that you should start to be to be long bonds and, and take on that convexity. Uh, I think that's that's really the next next place in line. The only thing here that sort of had me going uh, or had us really. You know, standing on the sideline was the pressure from energy, and uh, mm. this week's report uh, was rather shocking, um, and perhaps a bellwether on the overall state of uh, U.S. consumers and uh, the you know economic activity in the U.S., which seems to be sliding. So, yeah, yeah. we'll get back to the details from yeah. this weekly uh, report from the energy authorities in the U.S. Mm. Uh, or the energy agency, rather. Yeah. But um, I'd like to go through five drivers of this yield curve. Yeah. Uh, one by one, because um, they're mm. kind of obvious to most, mm. but it's still very relevant to s- sort of dissect the underlying numbers on, on, on each of these five parameters. Yeah. yeah. And first of all, um, we've been very vocal that the cocktail of rising energy prices and the positioning already leaning long duration mm. was sort of a toxic cocktail for yeah. the markets. And we obviously had that exactly right until energy prices started receding again. Mm. But when we look at positioning right now, it's it's quite interesting that we see a, um, a change of scenery given that hedge funds are now longer duration risk yeah. than real money players. Yeah. And that's kind of vice versa of what we've seen earlier this year, Emil. Yeah. So what do you think positioning is an issue for, for the long bond bets though? Yeah, I, I, it's a good question. I think it is. And ideally, um, you wouldn't want this set off before entry, right? No. 
But um, sometimes the smart money, they figure it out first. Um, question for you. If you could buy the 10-year, put it in the drawer, and pick it up in Q2, Q3, 2024, <laughs> without leverage and, you know, not thinking of drawdowns, would you take it? Oh, the reason why I'm <laughs> hesitant you know? here is that I've answered yes to that question before. Mm. Okay, yeah, all right, fair enough. <laughs> and, um, but, but sure, I, I, I mean, it's pretty simple bond math here that yeah. um, 100 basis points downside yeah. Um, yeah. in yield terms yeah. uh, provides you with a so much better return than 100 basis points in the other direction. Exactly. Um, and given that, you obviously need to have a pretty firm modal outcome for higher mm. yields mm. to be against this trade. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not sure that I have that on a six, nine-month horizon. Um, Fair. Am I tempted to wait? Yes. Mm. Uh, yeah. Since we haven't pulled the trigger, that's yeah. kind of the conclusion as well, right? Yeah, sure. Um, the reason is that... I mean, on positioning, uh, real money players are not as heavily uh, involved in the long duration bet mm. relative to benchmarks as yeah. they were a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. um, they've obviously been bleeding like crazy over the past couple of months here. Yeah. Uh, and that is obviously why we yeah. see a, a squaring of positioning. Mm. But I think the the air is sort of starting to clear, if that's a saying, um, mm. in relation to a couple of the important drivers yeah. of the yield curve. Um, one thing is that, I mean, Emil, you, you obviously track Asian markets as well very thoroughly. Um, one, one thing is that we've seen some kind of intervention in, in yen markets. It's, it's tricky to actually mm. um, ultimately conclude that it is uh, intervention that we've seen from Bank of Japan, but something happened when we crossed the 150 level. Mm. Um, and it seems like the appetite for very strong one-sided FX intervention is not there from the Asian central banks. That mm. They're not throwing no. um, dollar assets at the market at a rapid pace. They could have done that, yeah. which would have been a complete doom loop. They have a capacity for it, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. But... It's, it rather seems like they're selling gold than yeah. U.S. treasuries here, if anything, right? Yeah. Uh, well, that would be my conclusion, at least from watching price action in recent days. What it looks like, and I sort of forewarned this in a piece in, in the spring, right? That gold has some fundamental headwinds coming into the next couple of months. I think that's playing out now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, when you lose on, on gasoline, you take one on the gold, uh, yeah, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think I think that's that's absolutely spot on. Um, yeah, and, and then, I mean... Given that Asian central banks are not like firing on all cylinders on mm. that doom loop FX intervention uh, yeah. with a one-sided strategy where they sell dollar assets yeah. to buy local currency, thereby pushing up yields mm. in the US Treasury market, once again allowing a mounting pressure yeah. on the local currency versus the dollar from a yield perspective yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, if they abandon that doom loop, They've been in the doom loop, but but in a mild doom loop, I'd say. Yeah. Then I actually consider it pretty good news for the uh, U.S. Treasury market. Um, yeah. The best thing that could happen to the U.S. Treasury market right now would be that the um, the Chinese 
the Bank of Japan, they allowed the dollar to strengthen versus their local currencies, in my view. Yeah. Yeah. It's debatable, but that yeah. uh, I think that would uh, be, be quite a decent development. Yeah. And if we agree that they're not going to, to fight towards the, the end of the year or maybe into early next year to defend these local currencies, yeah. if we agree that positioning is not as bad as it was a couple of months ago, mm. if we agree that the energy story probably not, doesn't look as bad as it did <laughs> a week ago, at least. Yeah. yeah, then we only have that complete mess of a public deficit in the US to mm. really be scared about from an issuance perspective, right? Yes. Issuance in, in yes. 10 and 30 year space um, yeah. is up 23, 25% there about year to date relative to last year, quite yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that's an issue, obviously. But I mean, back to that McCarthy discussion, <laughs> right? If, if they actually Full manage circle. to curb spending here, it's a strong buy. But the thing is, even if they don't manage to, to, uh, to agree on anything, you know, spending will be cut automatically. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's, you know, it's one one percent uh, in in, uh, in spending are, are programmed after uh, from from next year if they don't uh, yeah. achieve any any uh, any uh, final deal. So um, I think I think I think you're absolutely right, and that's why I'm sort of hinting that you know, I don't think bonds is a bad place to be. Famous last words. Um, soon enough, I think we will we would start to to see that in 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 the yields, and perhaps we should enter it as well. But for now, I'm. I'm comfortable on the sideline, even though I'm I'm, I'm a bit anxious to step in because I think once this play, once this really gets going, I think it will be really profitable. Yes, so it's, yeah. But back to our current position mm. of a curve steepener, right? Yeah. What I like about that trade and the reason why I'd mm. perfectly accept to enter it from today's levels as well. Yeah, me too. Is that you can be right for the wrong reasons here? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, exactly. And given how wrong I am often, uh, I, I tend to like such a setup. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my point here is, should we get a shutdown? Should that be some kind of a trigger for a recession? Yeah. Should that ultimately lead the Fed towards a cutting cycle? Yeah. All good. Yeah. All good. Yeah. It's the front end that does the business here. Yeah. yeah. Should we get that reacceleration continuing in manufacturing? We haven't even touched upon the very, very strong ISM manufacturing report relative to consensus, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we get that weird cyclical uptick right now? I wouldn't completely rule it out. No, uh, no. It seems odd, but uh, I wouldn't completely rule it out. Our models are still positive on, on yeah, ISM yeah. manufacturing. Yeah. Uh, typically something that would put upwards pressure on the long end, right? Yeah. Um, then you can be right for the wrong reasons as well. Yeah. Um, so I struggle to see the scenario that allows the Federal Reserve to invert the curve further once again. Yeah. We we would need to see a, a massive refueling of inflation alongside rate hikes yeah. to get that scenario. And I struggle to yeah. to see why that's more than say a 10, 20% probability scenario. Yeah, that, that gun is running out of bullets, right? Yeah. You don't really see much in the pipeline that could really that could really uh, propel that. So yeah, I, I agree. So um, it basically means that it leaves the steeper with a solid risk reward. I think it's the best risk reward from from second half of this year. Yeah. I'm really glad we entered it at the <laughs> at the timing we did. Yeah. Um no, I don't I don't see any scenario where the where the curve starts to invert even more. So, you know, it's it's a simple risk reward. At, at least not, uh, not, not over tradable no. horizon, right? No, no, um, no. I <laughs> you know <laughs> famous last <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um Emil mm. 
we didn't really touch upon the details of the energy market because I wanted to <laughs> elaborate on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've obviously had a challenging week uh, due to our, say, long energy bias. We actually took the profit at a very, very good timing on our a long energy call. Yeah, uh, we moved to net gas. Uh, the front end, uh, sorry, the front month Henry Hop um, been a perfect uh, switch from oil, oil to net gas. Yeah, uh, but <laughs> and here's the flip side. Yeah. we had a position in refiners as well. Yeah, um, and gasoline cracks. They've they're they're basically through the floor. Yeah, diesel cracks are still doing well. Um, so what do you make of this mixture of, of trends and signals across the energy market right now? Anything that that is really important to point out here? I think the energy market is at the center stage of the geopolitical tension that we're witnessing. Mm. I think when it comes to diesel and we look at the local European market, I think there's there's a there's a reason to be a bit worried coming into the winter on that on that score. Um but I do think that the message of particularly this report, that now demand is starting to tilter. That would yeah. sink in among the, the OPEC gang there. And, well, I basically put it out uh, last week that I think the, the Saudis, they will pivot on the production uh, policy sooner than, than many will probably anticipate. Um, so I'm, I'm starting to lean towards that on a global scale. We probably have seen the top of, of the... Uh, of the of uh, the push from energy on 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 a global front, but I still think lo locally you you will find you know there will be issues, there will be bodies. <laughs> uh, obviously, nat gas is a much more regionalized market than yeah. uh, than oil. Uh, yeah. Why we can have um, local explosions in nat gas exactly. without global explosions, uh, yeah. at least temporarily. And the point here is, Emil, that the weekly report on uh, everything from inventories to imply the implied demand from inventories and production numbers mm. uh, from refiners. Um, uh, the DOE weekly inventory data uh, released by the um, uh, energy agency in the US. Um, I had one word when I looked at the numbers and it was ouch. <laughs> uh, and I yeah. immediately looked at um, seasonal patterns to try to find an explanation. Mm. Uh, we, we're obviously uh, on the edge of the um, maintenance season for refiners, um, mm. leading to lower production. Yeah. Um, the issue here was not the production number. Mm. It was the inventory number that came with it. Mm. Uh, so production down and inventory up mm. in retail gasoline. Yeah. That's an odd one. In September, because there are no reasons for for such a landslide. Uh, so when I I ran this through the um, so-called X13 Arima seats model, yeah, uh, it is used by the BLS to seasonally adjust U.S. time series. Yeah. there are lots of issues with 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 that over the course of the pandemic. But uh, we'll leave that for another podcast. Yeah. I'm not even sure I, I dare listening to such a podcast <laughs> myself. It, it will be boring. But if you want to lose your mind yeah. next week, <laughs> yeah. um, in any case. Mm. I ran the, the numbers on the implied gasoline demand. So basically, yeah, yeah. Uh, say the implied demand from production versus inventories. Mm. And it's bad. Yeah. It's really, really, really bad. Mm. Down 12, 13%. Mm. Uh, no real explanation. We've had 
I mean, we, we basically we allowed the whole office to spend the entire day on, on watching those numbers. Yeah. Could we find something weird? Yeah. And we could not. Not until now, no. no. Uh, I would still see see if we can localize something tomorrow. But but from from as of as of talking, we haven't localized anything, right? No. But he, here's a question, right? Are there anybody out there who are stronger than the U.S. consumers, looking from a global perspective? And if they can't cope. With energy. the energy prices, yeah. What does that tell you? And and if if I may elaborate a bit on mm. this, right? So um, we got the GDP revision number uh, some time ago, and it, it sort of made me question. Okay, maybe we that that you know if it was we're starting advanced. to see big revisions. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I thought, okay, perhaps you know uh, the economy is slowing down uh, faster than I thought, and perhaps that recession call is is uh, you know could actually materialize in, in this quarter. Um, mm. Then we got the ISM manufacturing, and it we pretty much hit it spot on. And I dare not believe it when I saw it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I thought, all right, that that's interesting. And then we got the ISM services, which was a tad low, mm. um, uh, but especially the employment uh, components start to to loosen a bit up. And now this with the EIA, and we have the credit card data, which also looks pretty yeah. atrocious. So I think the overall. Uh, takeaway here is that uh, we we are we on the slide now. Uh, mm. The question is merely the the rate of change. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I agree with you. This this has to be excess savings. I forgot to mention there. Yeah, they're, they're, well. they're close to being depleted at least. Um, <laughs> but I, I agree, it has to be some sort of signal that the U.S. consumer is about to cave in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially if you look at say the bottom twenty five percent percentile yeah uh, they obviously have depleted excess savings yeah. already um it doesn't really matter for the gasoline demand whether bill gates have excess no, savings no. or not uh, he's probably <laughs> driving an ev yeah. anyway. <laughs> solar <laughs> so, uh, panels yeah yeah, yeah exactly so at, yeah. Um, point taken um in terms of the oil market mm. uh, i mean everyone and their mother uh concluded that the deficit for q4 was there or yeah. is there yeah I still think that's the case, um, oh, but yeah. but we're closer to 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 balancing supply and demand here. Mm. Um, if we look at the numbers mm. from this uh, weekly report from the Energy Agency, yeah. we we can calculate backwards basically uh, from the drop in gasoline demand to the amount of barrels yeah. needed per day, and a slide of say 13 percent in the in the fuel usage yeah. in transportation globally is shocking. massive. Shocking. It's yeah. massive. It's it's almost yeah. pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah. say. Yeah. Um and twelve to thirteen percent drop, a uh, twelve to thirteen percent drop in the gasoline usage it is the equivalent of a bit more than a million barrels of oil daily. Yeah. A lot. Uh, and this is just one week's yeah. one week of developments, right? Or, or yeah. uh, from yeah, yeah, yeah. from one report to the other. Yeah. Um, if this is actually a trend, you'll obviously see an even weaker report next time. I'd say. Absolutely. Uh, so um, this is one to watch. Yeah. We're on the sidelines. Um, yeah. Should we get to lower levels in the oil, we would we will reconsider entering. Yeah. But this was um, a Mike Tyson-like blow to our thesis. It, it was. It was. Um, I have but, to admit that. But. On the other hand, I believe when oil was when oil was you know above ninety five dollars a barrel and and that territory, 
mm. where we switched basically. <clears throat> I did say that the, you know the, yeah sure you know the, the the big danger here is whether demand can actually cope with these prices, and I've, yeah. I you know that that has played out a bit faster than I thought. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and uh, the big issue was that we entered a refiner's trade on the back of that, yeah. uh, trying to catch some some late alpha in in a spread versus transportation. <laughs> so it's been a good idea to short transportation. Yeah. By the way, uh, <laughs> the consumption patterns showcased in this energy agency report with 12-13% declines in the gasoline demand mm. is a green light to short the fuck out of that transportation <laughs> ETF. Yeah. Still. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but that's a whole different discussion. Um, so maybe we should uh, <laughs> re-enter that in. trade. Uh, yeah. Now I'm just live trading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it has Sorry. already taken a lot of punishment, to be fair. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but we but, can uh, say on, yeah. on an overall spectrum. I mean, do we like being long equities? No, no. Uh, I've, you know, I've pretty much that's, put it out there. That's. Uh, I mean, seconds after the oil market started puking mm. uh, on the back of this report, yeah. the automatic response due to the spillovers to interest rates was just to buy consumer discretionary stocks. And I'm like, <laughs> if you're not able to buy gasoline, why the hell would you buy yeah. a Tesla? Yeah. Uh, maybe because of the price of gasoline. Okay, that was a bad example. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I discretionary that. spending yeah. is probably the last thing you should yes. buy if spending is going down. Yeah, well, Bill Gates using his gasoline savings. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't always get markets, sorry. No, no. So, Emil, mm. the short trade update from our side, mm. um, we're still... Basically loaded up in that steepener. Yeah. We keep that on our books. It's a strong risk we won't trade. Yeah. We would trade it at today's prices. And we in the money. Uh, yeah, firmly. Um, and then I guess the big question here from an allocation perspective is how bullish to be on the dollar from here. Yeah. And I am, I updated our uh, quantitative sharp ratio optimized asset allocation model. Mm. We input liquidity, we input PMIs, we input inflation mm. in the model. Uh, it leaves us with the so-called Goldilocks without QE regime right now. Yeah, yeah. It's my own invention, that, uh, <laughs> that name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but without QE here means that liquidity is, is dwindling pretty fast. Um, yeah. So the model tells you to buy dollar yen up here. Yeah. The model tells you to buy dollar peso mm. <laughs> up here after a pretty decent yeah. rally. Yeah. It tells you to buy silver and gold. <laughs> it, it is basically, I mean, yeah. uh, it's almost the yeah. uh, 1930s portfolio, this yeah. or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Long dollar and long precious. Yeah. That's yeah. what it's telling yeah. you. Not necessarily a usual cocktail, but no. I mean, no. I just let the numbers talk here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's quite interesting. That is interesting. Um, but I do think that the flaw with, you know, firmly relying on quantitative backtested model when you are in a weird regime, mm. it will wrong foot you, because it it hasn't it hasn't seen this pattern before. It's just computed into it, uh, you know. So, um, but yeah, it's it it is interesting. It is interesting. And and to be fair, you know, the US dollar is just hammering, you know, everyone and their mother for weeks now. Which sort of leaves me thinking that if this energy uh, relief here gets some momentum, we might see, you know, rates just drop in a little bit, and that might it might just push some tailwind into equities, and and then you know everyone is 
caught off guard before the clam down. Um, that it's sort of a thing I'm I'm thinking could um, could uh, materialize. Um, but to be honest here, I think we are we are in uh, we are in treacherous territory. To be yep. to be completely honest about it. I mean, from a risk premium perspective, mm. uh, buying dollar equities here yeah. and now is no chasing. <laughs> Pennies ahead of a steamroller. Yeah, 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 steam yeah. Right? It is. Yeah. I mean, you get the same expected earnings yield as a, as a three-month T-bill. Um, is it is it really worth chasing those no. equities higher here? But would you refute that markets could be that daft? <laughs> no, 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 sure. <laughs> sure, sure. Sort of the thing. Um, yeah. I agree completely. I mean, it's, I, I can't find any metric or any argument to really be long beater here. And perhaps that's the reason to be it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not the worst <laughs> argument I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> that's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> but it's not the best. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, Taken. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see you again next week. I, I'm, I'm still tempted to say that the dollar is a strong place to hide in this situation. Yeah, uh, I'm still tempted to say that the curve steepener works. Um, we have it on our books with a, a, a load of backing, uh, nominally speaking. And yeah. um, then I'm still tempted to look for relative value trades that can sort of cope with natural gas prices on the rise mm. um, because I think natural gas is still a decent risk reward. Uh, we're yeah. also long the Henry Hop front month. So... I think we yeah. will leave it at that, Emil. Um, yeah. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast <laughs> and if you want all of the details behind how we seasonally adjusted the gasoline demand and how we will seasonally adjust the gasoline demand going forward because um, our clients received this report basically, if not minutes, but then, then an hour or two after the actual report release. Uh, and I think it was pretty valuable for them to get that report to get out of that trade uh, yeah. uh, while the t yeah. train was still at, <laughs> at the uh, platform, so to oh speak. Yeah. Then you uh, were caught off guard. Um, then go to stenoresearch.com, Emil and I and our team um, will elaborate on cross-asset developments. We run this as if it was a global macro hedge fund, basically. And yeah. then we write about it. Um, if you like um, such research, uh, yeah. go visit stenoresearch.com and use macro30 to get 30% off your subscription price as a unique offer yeah. for people listening to the Macro Sunday. Emil Miller, great to see you again. Likewise. And I hope that we can have better news with us <laughs> next week. Could scarcely get any worse. No. <laughs> Remember, uh, as a broad disclaimer, um, that Mr. Gennaro Gattuso is our compliance officer here <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the company. So our trade ideas might be... And sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. Thank you very much for listening or watching <laughs> the Macro Sunday. I'll see you again next Sunday. <laughs>